Well, good morning, everybody. This is Tobias Rex, and this is the Sharks, Dinosaurs, and Mythical Creatures podcast coming at you right now. For this morning's episode, I hope you're ready, because it's going to be a remake of one that I did a long time ago. It's one of the, uh, one of the most amazing things your ears have ever beheld. He was a king in the world he knew, but he comes to you now a celebrity. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you Kong! The eighth wonder of the world! King Kong is a film monster resembling an enormous gorilla that has appeared in various media since 1933. Kong has been dubbed the eighth wonder of the world, and that's a phrase that's commonly used in the films. The character first appeared in the novelization of the 1933 film King Kong from RKO or Radio Keith Orpheum Pictures, with the film premiering a little over two months later. The film received universal acclaim upon its initial release and re-releases and a sequel quickly followed that same year with The Son of Kong, featuring Little Kong, or as I like to call him, Prince Kong. In the 1960s, Toho produced King Kong vs. Godzilla in 1962, pitting a larger Kong against Toho's own Godzilla and King Kong Escapes from 1967, based on the King Kong show from 66 to 69. In 1976, Dino De Laurentiis, sorry if I mispronounced your name, produced a modern remake of, of the original film directed by John Gillerman, and a sequel to that one, King Kong Lives, followed a decade later featuring a Lady Kong, and yet another remake of the original, this time set in 1933, was released in 2005 from filmmaker Peter Jackson, who also filmed and directed Lord of the Rings. The most recent film, Kong Skull Island, released in 2017, set in 1973, is part of Legendary Entertainment's MonsterVerse movie series, and that began with Legendary's reboot of Godzilla in 2014. And a crossover sequel, once again pitting the characters against one another, Godzilla vs. Kong, is currently planned for 2021 as far as we know. The character of King Kong has become one of the world's most famous movie icons, having inspired a number of sequels, remakes, spin-offs, imitators, parodies, cartoons, books, comics, video games, theme park rides, and even a stage play. His role in the different narratives varies, ranging from a rampaging monster to a tragic anti-hero. The King Kong character was conceived and created by American filmmaker Marion C. Cooper. In the original film, the character's name is Kong, and that name is given to him by the inhabitants of the fictional Skull Island in the Indian Ocean where Kong lives along with other prehistoric animals, such as plesiosaurs, pterosaurs, and various dinosaurs. And an American film crew, led by Carl Denham, captures Kong and takes him to New York City to be exhibited as the, once again, eighth wonder of the world. And Kong escapes and climbs the Empire State Building, only to fall from the skyscraper after being attacked by airplanes with guns. And when one of the characters said, airplanes got him, Denham says, it wasn't the airplanes, it was Beauty Killed the Beast, for he climbs the building in the first place only in an attempt to protect Andero, 
an actress originally offered up to Kong on Skull Island as a sacrifice. In the 1976 remake, her character's name isn't Anne, but Dwan. A pseudo-documentary about Skull Island that appears on the DVD for the 2005 remake, that was originally seen on the Sci-Fi Channel at the time of its theatrical release, gives Kong's scientific name as Megaprimatus Kong. Megaprimatus derives from the prefix mega and the Latin words primate and primatus, and this means big primate or big supreme being. And it also states that his species may be related to Gigantopithecus, although that genus of giant ape is more closely related to orangutans than gorillas. Now, here is how this famous creature got, um, came to life and got its name. Marion C. Cooper became fascinated by gorillas at the age of six, when he was just a kid. In 1899, he was given a book from his uncle called, called Explorations and Adventures in Equatorial Africa. The book, which was written in 1861, chronicled the adventures of Paul Duchelu in Africa and his various encounters with the natives and wildlife there. Cooper became fascinated with the stories involving the gorillas. In, in particular, Duchelu's depiction of a particular gorilla known for its extraordinary size that the natives described as invincible and the king of the African forest. And when Duchelu and some natives encountered a gorilla later in the book, he described it as a hellish dream creature that was half man, half beast. As an adult, Cooper became involved in the motion picture industry. While filming The Four Feathers in Africa, he came into contact with a family of baboons, and this gave him the idea to make a picture about primates. And one year later, when he got to RKO, Cooper wanted to film a quote-unquote terror gorilla picture. As the story was being fleshed out, Cooper decided to make his gorilla giant-sized. He also stated that the idea of Kong fighting warplanes on top of a building came from him seeing a plane fly over the New York insurance building the tallest building in the world at the time. And he came up with the ending before the rest of the story. As he stated, Without any conscious effort of thought, I immediately saw in my mind's eye a giant gorilla on top of the building. Cooper was also influenced by Douglas Burden's account of the Komodo dragon, and wanted to pit his terror gorilla up against dinosaur-sized versions of these reptiles. Stating to Burden, I also had firmly in mind uh, to giantize both the gorilla and your dragons to make them really huge. However, I always believed in personalizing and focusing attention on one main character, and from the very beginning, I intended to make it the giant gorilla, no matter what else I surrounded him with. And around this time, Cooper began to refer to his project as a giant terror gorilla picture, featuring a gigantic semi-humanoid gorilla pitted against modern civilization. When designing King Kong, Cooper wanted him to be a nightmarish gorilla monster. As he described Kong in a 1930 memo, his hands and feet have the size and strength of steam shovels, his girth is that of a steam boiler. This is a monster with the strength of 100 men. But more terrifying is the head. A nightmare head with bloodshot eyes and jagged teeth set under a thick mat of hair. A face half beast, half human. Willis O'Brien created an oil painting depicting the giant gorilla menacing a jungle heroine encounter for Cooper. However, when it came time for O'Brien and Marcel Delgado to sculpt the animation model, Cooper decided to backpedal on the half-human look for the creature and became adamant that Kong just be a gorilla. O'Brien, on the other hand, wanted him to be almost human-like to gain audience empathy, 
and told Delgado to quote-unquote make that ape almost human. And Cooper laughed at the end result, saying that it looked like a cross between a monkey and a man with very long hair. For the second model, O'Brien again asked Delgado to add human features, but to tone it down somewhat. The end result, which ended up being rejected, was described as looking like a missing link, and disappointed, Cooper stated, I, I want Kong to be the fiercest, most brutal, monstrous damn thing that has ever been seen. On December 22, 1931, Cooper got the dimensions of a bull gorilla from the American Museum of Natural History, telling O'Brien, yes, now that's what I want. When the final model was designed, it had the basic look of a gorilla, but it managed to retain some human-like qualities. For example, uh, Delgado streamlined the body by taking off the, the distinctive paunch and rump of a gorilla. He would then incorporate some characteristics of an earlier creature that he had created in 1915 for the silent short called The Dinosaur and the Missing Link into the general look and personality of Kong, even going as far as to refer to the creature as Kong's ancestor. When it came time to film, Cooper agreed that Kong should walk upright at times, mostly in the New York sequences in order to appear more intimidating. Now, here's how this mega monkey got his name. Marion C. Cooper was very fond of strong, hard-sounding words that started with the letter K. Some of his favorite words were Komodo, Kodiak, and Kodak. And when Cooper was envisioning his giant terror gorilla idea, he wanted to capture a real gorilla from the Congo and have it fight a real Komodo dragon on Komodo Island. And this scenario eventually evolved into Kong's battle with the T-Rex on Skull Island. Cooper's friend, Douglas Burden's trip to the island of Komodo, and his encounter with the Komodo dragons was a very big influence on the Kong story. Cooper was fascinated by Burden's adventures as chronicled in his book Dragon Lizards of Komodo, where he referred to the animal as the King of Komodo. It was this phrase, along with Komodo and Congo, and his overall love for hard-sounding K-words that gave him the idea to name the giant ape Kong. He loved the name, as it had a mystery sound to it. After Cooper got to RKO, British mystery writer Edgar Wallace was contracted to write the first draft of the screen story, and it was referred to simply as The Beast. And RKO executives were unimpressed with the bland title. David O. Selznick suggested Jungle Beast as the film's new title, but Cooper was unimpressed and wanted to name the film after the main character. He, he stated he liked the mystery word aspect of Kong's name and that the film should carry, quote-unquote, the name of the leading mysterious, romantic, savage creature of the story, such as with Dracula and Frankenstein. RKO sent a memo to Cooper suggesting the titles Kong, King of Beasts, Kong the Jungle King, and Kong the Jungle Beast and he's combined his and Selznick's proposed titles. As time went on, Cooper would eventually name the story simply Kong, while Ruth Rose was writing the final version of the screenplay. And because David O. Selznick thought that audiences would think the film with the one-word title of Kong would be mistaken as a docudrama, such as kind of like Grass and Chang, which were one-word title films that Cooper had earlier produced, he added the King to Kong's name in order to differentiate it. King Kong. Now, here's his appearance. In his first appearance in King Kong from 1933, Kong was a gigantic prehistoric ape, or as RKO's publicity materials described him, a, a prehistoric type of ape. While gorilla-like in appearance, he had a vaguely humanoid look 
and at times walked upright in an anthropomorphic manner. Indeed, Carl Denham describes him as being neither beast nor man. Like most simians, Kong possesses semi-human intelligence and great physical strength. Kong's size changes drastically throughout the course of the film. While, while creator Marion C. Cooper envisioned Kong as being 40 to 50 feet tall, the animator Willis O'Brien and his crew built the models and sets scaling Kong to be only 18 feet tall on Skull Island and 24 feet in New York. But this did not stop Cooper from playing along with Kong's size, as he directed the special effects sequences. By manipulating the, the sizes of the miniatures and the camera angles, he made Kong appear a lot larger than O'Brien wanted, even as large as 60 feet in some scenes. As Cooper stated in an interview, I was a great believer in constantly changing Kong's height to fit the settings and the illusions. He is different in almost every shot. Sometimes he's only 18 feet tall, and sometimes he's 60 feet or larger. This broke every rule that Obi and his animators had ever worked with. But I felt confident that if the scenes moved with excitement and beauty, the audience would accept any height that fitted into the scene. For example, if Kong had only been 18 feet tall on the top of the Empire State Building, he would have been lost like a little bug. I constantly juggled the heights of trees and dozens of other things. The one thing that was really essential was to make the audience enthralled with the character of Kong so that they wouldn't notice or care that he was 18 feet or 40 feet just as long as he fitted the mystery and excitement of the scene's action. This version of King Kong was voiced by a lion and tiger roar played in reverse. Now, for the 1976 version, in 1975, the Italian producer Dino De Laurentiis paid RKO for the remake rights to King Kong, and this resulted in King Kong 1976. This Kong was an upright walking anthropomorphic ape, who was appearing even more human-like than the original. Also like the original, this Kong had semi-human intelligence and vast strength. In the 1976 film, Kong was scaled to be 42 feet tall on Skull Island and 55 in New York. Ten years later, Dino De Laurentiis got the, got the approval from Universal to do a sequel called King Kong Lives. This Kong had more or less the same appearance and abilities, but he tended to walk on his knuckles more often and was enlarged, scaled to 60 feet. And here is something pretty shocking, guys. This version of Kong... This version of Kong was voiced by Universal Stock Elephant Bellows and famous voice actor Peter Cullen, who while voicing Kong in this film, strained his vocal cords so hard that he started coughing up blood. Unbelievable. To be honest with you, I wouldn't strain my vocal cords to the point of regurgitating blood just to voice a creature in a movie. So Peter Cullen, if you somehow manage to get to hear this, I have to give you major credit. Good job, buddy. Now, for the 2005 version. Universal Studios had planned to do a King Kong remake as far back as 1976, 
and they finally followed through almost 30 years later with a three-hour film directed by Peter Jackson, who opted to make the most scientifically accurate version of King Kong as possible. A gigantic silverback gorilla without any anthropomorphic features. This Kong looked and behaved more like a real gorilla. He had a large herbivore's belly, walked on his knuckles without any upright posture, and even beat his chest with his palms as opposed to clenched fists. In order to ground his Kong in realism, Jackson and the crew gave a name to his fictitious superspecies as Megaprimatus Kong and suggested it to have evolved from the Gigantopithecus. Kong was the last of his kind. He was portrayed in the film as being quite old, with graying fur and battle-worn with scars, wounds, and a crooked jaw from his many fights against rival creatures. He is the dominant being on the island, the king of his world. But, like his film predecessors, he possesses considerable intelligence and great physical strength. He also appears far more nimble and agile. This Kong was scaled to a consistent height of 25 feet both on Skull Island and in New York. Here's how Jackson describes this character. We assumed that Kong is the last surviving member of his species. He had a mother and a father, and maybe brothers and sisters, but they're dead. He is the last of the huge gorillas that live on Skull Island. When he goes, there will be no more. He's a very lonely creature, absolutely solitary, and it must be one of the loneliest existences you could ever imagine. Every day he has to battle for his survival against very formidable dinosaurs on the island, and it's not easy for him. He's carrying the scars of many former encounters with dinosaurs. I'm imagining he's probably 100 to 120 years old by the time our story begins, and he has never felt a single bit of empathy for another living creature in his long life. It's been a brutal life that he's lived. Now here's, now here's some of my personal info on that one. That being said, of course we saw that he seemed really aggressive at first, but as the film progressed, he started to really show affection towards Anne, going so far as to gently hold her in his hand while beating the living daylights out of three giant dinosaurs, and even cradle her in his arms like an infant when they sleep in his cave. And when I saw the scene where Kong was cradling Anne, I realized that even though he is big and menacing, there are some times, there are times when he can be quite a softy. When the airplanes got him, I wasn't really sad, but more like pissed. Not at Kong, but at the pilots that shot him. When Anne was waving frantically at them not to shoot, I legit wanted to scream, DON'T SHOOT HIM! HE'S NOT A MONSTER! HE'S JUST AN ANIMAL! And also if I was in the movie, I would just smack the pilots upside the head and be like, WHAT THE HELL IS WRONG WITH YOU PEOPLE? WHY WOULD YOU DO THAT? Killing an animal that happens to cause destruction while trying to defend itself? Come on. A little high on the harshometer, don't you think? Like, I mean, Jesus. Whew. Well, now that I can get back to the point, now that I'm able to calm down a little bit after that one, <laughs> this version of King Kong was voiced by a mixture of many different animals, such as lion, tiger, leopard, horse, walrus, and gorilla sounds put together. Now, at last, but definitely not least, the 2017 version from Kong Skull Island. In the 2017 film Kong Skull Island, Kong is scaled to be 104 feet tall, 
making it the second biggest incarnation in the entire series. Director Jordan Vogt Roberts stated in regards to Kong's immense stature, quote unquote, the thing that mostly inter the thing that most interested me was how big do you need to make Kong so that when someone lands on this island and doesn't believe in the ideas of myth, the idea of wonder when we live in a when we live in a world of social and civil unrest and everything is crumbling around us and technology and facts are taking over, how big does this creature need to be so that when you stand on the ground and you look up at it, the only thing that can really go through your mind is that's a god. So that's why they made him stand 100 feet tall and upright, so people could step foot on the island, look at him, and say, that's a god. He also stated that the original 1933 look was the inspiration for this design, saying, We sort of went back to the 33 version in the sense that he's a bipedal creature that walks in an upright position, as opposed to the anthropomorphic, anatomically correct silverback gorilla that walks on all fours. Our Kong was intended to say, like, this isn't just a big this isn't just a big gorilla or a big monkey. This is something that is its own species. It has its own set of rules. So we can do what we want and we really wanted uh, to pay homage to what came before and yet do something completely different. And if anything, our Kong is meant to be a throwback to the 33 version. I don't think there's much similarity at all between our version and Peter Jackson's Kong. That version is very much a scaled up silverback and ours is something that is slightly more exaggerated. And a big mandate for us was, how do we make this feel like a classic movie monster? Eight months were spent in the process of trying to make him a powerful anti-hero with an element of humanity to make audiences feel an affinity for Kong. The director asked for the MonsterVerse Kong's design to be inspired by and act as a throwback to the 1933 film's design, while being truly identifiable as the 2017 version of Kong. Famed creature designer Carlos Huante created an anatomically updated physique by, re by referencing Poe's frames from the 33 film. Honoring the original design, Industrial Light and Magic developed the 2017 design by giving Kong orange-brown fur, a small crown, a huge brow, an exaggerated muzzle, and the animators gave Kong a wide-eyed roar. This Kong was designed to be 104 feet tall to give him weight and a magnificent quality that would evoke the idea of a human speck in the shadow of the Colossus. In general, Kong has a rounded head and several scars, three of, three of which run diagonally from his left pectoral to the right side of his torso, and several more on the palm of his right hand after attempting to grab the rotating blades of a helicopter. It is also said by Hank Marlowe, who got his information from the natives, that Kong had not yet reached his full size. This particular Kong is portrayed through the use of CGI, aided by performance motion capture by Terry Nottery, with reference facial animation provided by Toby Kebbell. And with the blessing of previous Kong actor Andy Serkis, Nottery completed the motion capture for Kong in only three days. And Kong's size was a key factor in the director's decision for keyframe animation, led by ILM animation supervisor Scott Benza, to be used in making the most of Kong's performance. And this allowed the director to work closely with the animators to get the desired performance for Kong. And this Kong's voice is very interesting. Long before production on the film began, the filmmakers experimented with many different techniques in order to create the voice of this mega monkey. And the techniques were overseen by supervisor sound designer slash sound editor Al Nelson. As the original 1933 Kong voice was made with a reversed tiger and lion roar, 
Nelson visited the National Zoological Park in Washington, D.C. and Walt Disney World's Animal Kingdom and recorded some lion roars to start with. And to create additional layers, he also mixed and matched gorilla and monkey sounds. To fully capture the desired quote-unquote island shaking levels, the sound team set up speaker systems at Skywalker Sound and, and played Kong's bellows and roars through a 5.1 channel system. But some people wish that they just use gorilla sound effects for Kong. And trust me, guys, gorillas—they can scream when they're angry. They can—they can like yell when they're upset. for his behavior, skills, and weaknesses. Kong is proven to be extremely fierce and brutal whenever he gets upset, hurling trees at the oncoming helicopters and smashing many of them together. But despite this, he does have a relatively kind and peaceful side, helping out a buffalo after it was trapped under the wreckage of a helicopter, and befriending Mason Weaver and, Jame, and James Conrad, and sparing Aaron Brooks. And this was to the extent that he even went to save Weaver when she fell into the river during his battle with the Skull Devil. Kong also demonstrates remarkable intelligence, such as when he attacked the Skull Devil using a tree trunk as a staff and tearing the propeller off of an abandoned ship to use as a melee weapon. Kong is proven to be at least partly carnivorous, feeding on animals such as a mire squid that he killed. It is also implied that he ate one of Packard's soldiers, However, this is also proven to be accidental, as the man falls into Kong's mouth while the latter holds a helicopter above himself as he's roaring. And I think that was an, and I think that was intended to be a reference to the original 33 film, because in the 33 film, Kong actually ate people. Kong seems to show a great deal of loneliness as a result to him losing his parents to the skull crawlers as an infant, as well as being the last of his kind and his eyes well up with tears when Weaver gently touches him, and one of the cave paintings depicts him crouching and mourning over the remains of his deceased parents. And the producers intentionally designed Kong to have a personality similar to a quote-unquote teenager orphaned early and forced to assume adult responsibilities, because he's not yet fully grown but left to fend for himself, and the director wanted to give the audience insight into Kong's state of mind of him being a lonely and exhausted god lumbering around the island, being its protector, but also killing time as he drags himself from place to place. Terry Nottery played Kong as a lonely, burdened 14-year-old that's trapped in the life of an adult, who's coming into himself and his role as a protector, driven to uphold his sense of duty by the burden of the loss of his family. 
Director Jordan Vogt Roberts also described Kong as an adolescent growing into his role as Alpha as he faces the defining battle of his life to claim his rightful title as King of Skull Island. Kong is proven to have immense hatred for the Skullcrawlers as well, becoming very aggressive when he encounters them, as this hatred was caused by the Skullcrawlers killing his parents when he was a newborn. And although, and although the comic Skull Island, The Birth of Kong, stated that Kong has an instinct to protect humans, he is still shown killing people, but only those who did something bad enough to deserve it, such as attacking him or the island, and that would imply hostility or attract Skullcrawlers, as Hank Marlowe states in the movie. Because in the movie, Hank Marlowe said that the Skullcrawlers come from the vents deep down, and that's why Kong got so pissed off, because the helicopter's bombs woke up a bunch of them. Now for his strengths. Kong is shown to be a great climber, being able to scale sheer cliffs and mountain faces with relative ease. Durability and Stamina Kong was able to withstand the bullets from military helicopters and attacks from the skull crawlers. But with some injuries, his stamina is still very high and he was able to still walk and continue through with long engagements. Despite being temporarily knocked out from a napalm explosion, Kong could still defend himself briefly and awaken moments later to continue the fight against the Skull Devil. After he defeated the Skull Devil, he walked off, showing no signs of exhaustion. Intelligence Kong is shown to be an intelligent being, for he can differentiate his allies from his enemies. He also takes advantage of his surroundings while fighting and can use tools as many primates do, and that is shown when he uses boulders and trees as weapons. He even used a chain to tear off the propeller from an unused ship and use it to grapple and hack the Skull Devil, and at one point, he tried to strangle it with the chain. Kong's hearing is quite strong, as he was, as he was able to hear the cries of a trapped buffalo struggling to break free from the wreckage of a crashed helicopter, and his vision is also strong enough to notice people standing on the cliff in the dark of night. Speed and Agility for a creature of his size, Kong is surprisingly quick, as he is able to quickly dodge skull crawlers that attack him from behind. He has a body built for flexibility and can swing his long arms to make effective strikes in combat. He's also able to leap pretty high. Strength and Combat Like his previous incarnations, Kong is extremely strong despite not being fully grown and great at combat against the multiple smaller skull crawlers that tried to ambush him. He can easily overpower a mire squid by smashing, it, by smashing its head with its foot and tearing off its tentacles with his teeth. And with his strength, his punches can incapacitate smaller skull crawlers and can wrestle and pin the largest of them to the ground by using sheer strength. And Kong is able to stand on his own two feet while the skull devil is constricting his torso. Now his weaknesses. Lack of armor. Kong's species are, are naturally born without armor, unlike Godzilla, whose incredibly thick scales can make him resist attacks from enemies. So Kong can get injured a lot more easily, and this is shown when the rotor blades of one of Packard's helicopters graze his palm, suffering severe wounds to his arm from helicopter artillery rounds and being half-scorched alive by napalm fire. Poor Healing Factor um, Unlike Godzilla, who heals very quickly, Kong has a relatively slow healing factor comparable to that of a person. He needs a long time and sustenance to heal, as seen when, when he washes his arm that was slashed during the fight with the helicopters, 
and the scars on his chest have also not completely faded, so they're still there. Now, for the trivia. In this film, Kong is simply referred to as just Kong, and not the usual moniker of King Kong. The, the official bio references this, stating the story of how Kong became king. And also, and also, also despite being over 100 feet tall, Kong is an adolescent, as the skeletons of much larger apes, which are his deceased parents, are seen strewn along the ground of the Bone Graveyard, also known as the Valley of the Fallen Gods. And Kong seems to care for the natives' buffaloes, as he is enraged upon seeing one killed by a skull crawler, and later helps out another one that was trapped under a chopper. And according to director Jordan Vogt, Robert, um, Jordan Vogt Roberts, an alternate opening would have taken place during World War II with soldiers fighting on a beach when they are attacked by a large ape, similar to the 2005 Kong, which is immediately gunned down. However, the real Kong that emerges much many times larger and more threatening. Unfortunately, the, the studio nixed the idea, telling Vogt Roberts, You can't do that. <laughs> and this is also the first American King Kong film where Kong does not die at the end. In the 1933 and 2005 films, he is shot by aircraft and falls to his death from a skyscraper, specifically the Empire State Building. In the 1976 film, he fell from a skyscraper, specifically the World Trade Center Twin Towers, but instead of dying, he was put into a comatose state, which means, which means he's alive, but barely hanging on. In King Kong Lives, his artificial heart fails and he dies, and he is already deceased in Son of Kong. Speaking of which, in contrast to the 1933 and 2005 versions, who met their ends trying to fight off attacking military aircraft, this incarnation of Kong makes his, ma makes his first major appearance by successfully defeating a group of military aircraft. The directors said that for this one they wanted to, in their words, take the opportunity to kind of give Kong the upper hand. Kong is similar to Godzilla in several ways. Both are the last of their kind, and both have a vendetta up against their natural enemies, such as the Skullcrawlers, the Mutos, and Ghidorah, who have killed the rest of their species. And both are portrayed as morally neutral apex predators who maintain order and have no personal quarrel with humans. And, and like the 2005 version, this Kong has numerous scars on his body, giving him a somewhat battle-hardened look. And like the traditional backstories for Kong, this incarnation is once again the last of his species. In the Kong Skull Island novelization, Kong's injuries from Packard's napalm trap are far more severe, as his fur is left smoldering in places with some patches completely burnt off, exposing the skin underneath. There are more instances of Kong's intelligence shown such as him using dirt to put out the fires made by the helicopter battle, and Packard seeing Kong trigger a rock slide to bury a skull crawler. And the outpost that Kong lives on, Monarch Outpost 33, references 1933, the year the original King Kong came out. Well, that's going to be it for today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, be sure to like and subscribe to my podcast. It comes out every two weeks. This is Tobias Rex saying Godspeed. And all four main screen Kongs are going to sign off in the order in which they were released. Alright, 33 Kong. Alright, 76. Two thousand five. 
and 2017.